Judges 20, verse 13. Now therefore deliver us the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put away evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. Now, you know the story if you've read this. It's, this is a civil war during the period of the judges. Horrible, horrible sin was committed by the men of Benjamin. The entire tribe, rather than dealing with it, did not accept responsibility for what they did. Report going out to the rest of the 11 tribes, and they were shocked. By the way, sin ought to shock us, amen? Yeah. We ought not to get used to sin. Amen. Sin is sin. And so they said, we've got to do something about it. So we get to verse 14. It's going to be a civil war. There's a split. There's a division here among the tribes. Then we read something interesting, verses 15 to 16. Because remember, now the context here is about these men of Gibeah, these men of Benjamin. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities... Twenty and six thousand men that drew sword. Now they're the minority. Compared to the numbers that were assembled by the tribe of Israel, the other eleven tribes, twenty-six thousand was very small. And it says there, there were there came out of the cities twenty and six thousand men that drew sword, beside the inhabitants of Gibeah. And I want you to think about it for a minute. Beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered seven hundred chosen men. And among all the people, there were 700 chosen men left-handed. Everyone could sling stones at a hairbreadth and not miss. Years ago, my wife and I were out soul winning. We were on a street called Rose Avenue, Rose Street, something like that, probably about a seven, eight minute drive from our church. First time I had knocked on this street. Really nice little homes. First home we went to, knocked on the door, met a Vietnamese family. The end result of it, the two older sons are very active in our church. They got saved in our church, very active in our church. And it was one of those so many mornings, Dr. R, where just you knocked on a door and everybody was just greeted you and they wanted to talk to you. And uh, we seized the opportunity. About the fifth or sixth home we got to, a woman came to the door by the name of Brenda Cook. Brenda was one of our good members. We love her. She's relocated up to Oregon. She was crying at the door. Her mother had passed away a few months before. She was still grieving the loss of her mother. And uh, God, by his grace, enabled us at that doorstep to tell about the wonderful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. She got saved that morning. And she said, I want you to come back. I want you to meet my husband. I said, well, you took the words out of my mouth. I want to meet your husband. And so I came back the following Saturday. And uh, she was actually at church that next day. I came back that following Saturday. And just as we, my wife and I are pulling up, we saw a pickup truck pull up in front of the house. 
Man got out, and I said, uh, I said, uh, you, must be, you must be George. He said, it depends on who you are. And I said, well, I said, I'm Pastor Fong, and I said, I just met your wife last week, and she trusted Christ as her Savior. And long story short, George, George just kind of just felt really at home with us, and we, we hit it off really fast right there on the curb. And I said, where'd you just come from? He said, well, I managed the pistol range here in San Leandro. My eyes lit up because I like going there for target practice. Amen? Amen. A real man like to shoot. Amen. Okay? Amen. And uh, the name of the target place was Target Masters. He gave me four free passes. Now, how many know if you give that to a Baptist pastor, he's going to take advantage of that? Amen? Amen. Yeah. You, you just kind of do that after Sunday when you get frustrated with your members there. Amen? You know? <laughs> His brother said, no, no. <laughs> you know. And I said, I didn't know you were the manager of Target Masters. He says, yep. Been doing it for a long time. I want you to notice something about these men. What a colorful description of these men of Gibeah. 700 men. Besides the 26,000, the Jews' sword. They could sling a stone at a hairbreadth and not miss. I want to preach a message, just a very simple thought this morning about Christians who hit the mark. You're in Bible college. Bible college is going to give you the tools. But you've got to decide what you're going to do with those tools. You're either going to go out of this college and you're going to be slinging stones and you're going to miss every time. Or you're going to be slinging stones, and you're going to make your mark. You're going to make your mark. Father, we ask this morning that you help us. This is a fun passage. It's a good passage. It's a needy passage. Lord, I thank you for these students. I want to be a blessing to them. Lord, we sang about your holiness. I feel like Isaiah this morning. Woe is me. I'm a man undone with unclean lips. Purge me, O Lord, as the preacher, and purge our students as the listeners. Help us this morning be vessels unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Lord, there's some work you need to do on us today. There's some work you're still doing in my heart from having studied this out. We need something from God. Please bless Pastor Chapel, the preachers. Lord, we're praying for revival at the SLX State Center there where, where preaching is being done and training is being done. Give strength to their bodies, but more importantly, give them the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, just a few hours, the Wednesday morning and then the Wednesday evening preachers will be preaching. And the sessions will be going on. We pray that you do a great work there, Lord. We think about perhaps one-half to two-thirds of the world's population is in that area of the world. We need something great to happen. And I pray for every student as they hear the reports that would seize the opportunity. And they would dream and imagine being a missionary on the 1040 window. 
going to villages and places, perhaps where Westerners have never gone, of learning a language, of planting their feet on foreign soil and being there for the rest of their lives. Maybe, Lord, in this service, you'd raise up another Rick Martin. Oh, Lord, maybe in this service, you'd raise up another Terry Unruh. Lord, maybe in a service like this, you'd raise up another Matt Stensis. Lord, maybe in a service like this, you'd raise up another Don Sisk. Please have your way, Lord. Work in our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. you may be seated. We're told about some men this morning that have three major traits. Number one, they were men of Benjamin. They were men of Gibeah. Benjamin was the youngest of Jacob's 12 sons. The name Benjamin, interestingly, means the son of my right hand, and yet our focus is on men who, have a left, who are left-handed. Benjamin is described in Genesis 49, 27 by Benjamin's own father, Jacob. He says, Benjamin shall raven as the wolf and devour in the morning, Describing his courage, his dauntlessness, his fearlessness. College student, I want to encourage you this morning, be brave, be courageous, fear not, but pray for the holy boldness of God. We see a second thing. The Bible tells us they were left-handed. How many left-handed people are here this morning? Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. Left-handed people. We've got quite a few over here. Okay, good, good. Okay, left-handed people. Listen, listen to some statistics. They say that 12% of the world's population are left-handed. They say men are twice more likely to be left-handed than women. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but that's what they say. In fact, if you ever come to San Francisco at Pier 39, um, they have a store for left-handed people. It's a very interesting store. What I like about it is just all the interesting paraphernalia they have for left-handed people. And then statistically, they just have all this, they, they tell you about people who are left-handed. They were very famous in some of the deeds they did there. I think it's kind of interesting there. They say that uh, left-handed people tend to use the right side of their brain most. They say they're more likely than right-handed people to have allergies, be insomniacs, and more prone to migraines. So if you have migraines, allergies, insomniacs, and you're right-handed, you might want to switch your hand to be left-handed. Amen? Uh, they say that left-handed people tend to be on the extreme pole of intelligence. And that doesn't mean right-handed people are not, not on the extreme pole of intelligence. Just say that's, that's an inherent trait of left-handed people. They say they recover faster from strokes than right-handed people. So if you're going to have a stroke, it's probably better be left-handed. Amen? You know? Uh, but in the Bible, our first mention of a left-handed person is in Judges 3.15 of a man by the name of Ehud. In the Bible, a left-handed person was considered disabled. They might have been born with some kind of uh, muscular development problem with their left hand. The left hand, the right hand, excuse me, and the right hand would be noticeably weaker than the right hand. And so because of this disability and this disadvantage, they focused on strengthening their left hand. Culturally, if you were left-handed, you were considered weak. You were left out. You were not 
If you played basketball, they probably would choose you last. If you were considered for some deed, uh, you were not at the first of the list there. That's kind of interesting there. Left-handed people, that's just what it was at that time. Uh, I remember as a boy, when I first took an interest in basketball, there was a player, some of you, some of the older men might remember this, there was a player that used to play for Cincinnati, no longer, there's no longer a team in Cincinnati, who wound up being traded, and the Warriors got him when they were known as the San Francisco Warriors. It was Jerry Lucas. Jerry Lucas was one of the best left-handed shooters they had in NBA history. I used to watch, love, love watching Jerry Lucas. He'd shoot these, you know, he'd shoot what we call three-pointers from outside there, and who would consistently have 20-point gains as a left-handed player. I mean, he had a high shooting percentage there, and I took great interest in that. I took great interest in many of the left-handed uh, shooters. I'm not left-handed, I'm right-handed there. But, you know, we look at left-handed people that are very unique. They're very good at what they do. But I'm just saying today, back in, back in the Bible times, the left-handed people were considered, considered weakened and disabled, and they were considered just kind of ostracized from everybody else here. But we see something else. We see mentioned that they were men of Benjamin, they were left-handed, but then mention is made to us about the slingshot. Now, you know that slingshot that you grew up with as a kid? You go like this? That's not a slingshot. That's a toy. Amen, you know? That's a toy. The, the real slingshots we're talking about, and I couldn't find one that would fit the description. They, they, I had one for a sermon illustration I used at church. This really didn't fit us, so I didn't bring it. But they were basically, you know, it's a, it's a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a strap, maybe about that long. It's actually two straps. And uh, there would be a band in the middle where you would put the stone. And they say that the stones that these kind of men would hurl weighed as much as one pound. And there would be a loop where you'd loop it. And you'd hold that loop and you would swing it like this. And, uh, and then you would just, the other loop, you, you, you would let it go, and as soon as you let it go, you become so proficient as you let it go that there would be precision about which that stone is. It's unleashed from that sling, but which would head towards a target. Now, in those days, the sling was one of the earliest weapons, uh, weapons of war that were used. In fact, the Bible makes mention, wants us to focus on some things here. Notice about the sling here. It says, everyone, in verse 16, could sling stones at a hairbreadth and not miss. It was not unusual for any army to have slingshot shooters and proficient armies and very good armies would have them. Listen to some things the Bible tells us. In 1 Chronicles 12, 2, we're told that these, there were men of Benjamin that came to David and were part of his mighty men entourage. And it says they were armed with bows and they could use both the right hand and the left in hurling stones and shooting arrows out of a bow, even with Saul's brother Benjamin. The men of Benjamin were very, were very unique. They were very in common. They were, they were men that were good with their left hand. They were men that were very good ambidextrously. They could use the right Right hand, their left hand, shooting bows, hurling stones, things of that nature there. Uh, we go down a little bit further, and we read about King Jehoram in 2 Kings 3.25, and it says about some of the men that he had that, 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 that fought for him, they beat down the cities and on every good piece of land, cast every man his stone and filled it. Listen to this. And they stopped all the wells of water and felled all the good trees, only in Kirharsheres left they the stones thereof. How be it, the slingers went about it and smote it. Imagine those slingers there that represented Israel. They could sling those stones and they, 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 they defeated an entire city. They knocked down walls of city. They put holes into buildings by the velocity by which they were able to sling that stone. 2 Chronicles 26, 14 tells us about King Uzziah. And it says there, Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the holes, shields and spears and helmets and habergens and both. And then he slayed, the, the, the writers say flesh, and those that could sling to cast stones. 700 men could sling stones at a hairbreadth 
and not miss. These men are positioned here to inspire you, inspire me about believers who hit the mark, target masters, people that know what they're aiming at, and they hit it. Notice four, four things about these men. Uh, number one, would you notice they were elite? There were 26,000 that drew sword. That caught my attention. That was the predominance of the warriors that represented Benjamin. But it's the 700 that were elite. It's the 700 that are, that are just kind of jump out to us in verse 16 that could sling stones at, at a hairbreadth and not miss. You know, in the Christian life, it's always the small minority of believers or church members who are willing to pay the price and live out a sold-out life for Jesus Christ. It's only a handful that will stay more, they will stay longer, that will work harder, that will sacrifice more, that will do what they have to do. Two Sundays ago, this great church had a historic offering. $1.8 million. This was not a one-time offering. This is a church that for 30 plus years has consistently given substantial offerings year after year after year after year. You know, there are just some members who've been here for a long time that are part of what I would call the elite. They're the ones who are paying the price. They're the ones who are working extra jobs. They're the ones that have forgone furniture in their homes and forgone vacations and other things like that so that you and I could enjoy an auditorium like this so that one day many more families that will be reached will get to enjoy Kid City and get to be used of God there. There'll be some of you that'll be trained of God there. I'm just saying today, the elite are those few who put their spiritual gifts to work to build the church. It is the few who'll keep knocking on doors. It's the few who keep studying on their knees and praying. It's the few who put their, 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 their things to work. I reminded this morning that God focuses on the few, those who we would call the elite to get the job done. Hey, listen, Abraham had 318 trained servants. He took out in the middle of the night to rescue his nephew. Lot. Think about that. 318 trained servants that went out to battle against thousands of soldiers representing five kings, and they overwhelmed them. They defeated them. They took them by surprise, brought back all the spoiled goods, brought back all the goods that were taken away, and brought back Lot in his household. Gideon had his 300. Uh, Jonathan had his one armor bearer. David had his 30 mighty men. Uh, God told Elijah he had 7,000 during a period of great paganism, terrible paganism. He had 7,000 that did not bend the knee. Uh, Nehemiah had a few choice men that went with him to survey the ruins of the walls of the, of the city of Jerusalem. Daniel had his three friends, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Uh, Jesus had his 12 apostles. Paul had his Barnabas, and then later he had Silas, Timothy, and Luke. I'm just saying today, there are the elite. There are those who are willing to pay the price, those willing to get the job done. Now understand something tonight. All of us like to be part of a group. All of us like to be part of a team. All of us like to be with the winners. All of us want to follow somebody else. A lot of us want to follow somebody who, say, who kind of will take the risk and will follow along with them. But there needs to be, in a Bible college setting, there needs to be something done in our hearts. When you get into under chapel preaching, you get under the preaching of Dr. Chapel, you get under preaching of the men of God who come here, there has to be something that God does in your heart. He lights something in you as a man. He lights something inside of you as a woman that you're going to decide, I'm not going to 
to be part of the crowd. I'm going to be one of those who are going to train, and I'm going to be one of those who are going to work. I'm going to be one of those who's going to pray. I'm going to be one of those who's going to knock on doors. I'm going to be one of those, one of those. I'm just not going to be like everybody else. I'm going to be somebody that's going to be uncommon. I want to be someone that's going to have boldness. I want to be someone that's got courage. I want to be someone that's going to make his mark for Jesus Christ here. Listen, some of you got to decide you're going to quit following the crowd. You're going to follow Jesus only, amen? Oh, listen, you get into Bible college. God wants to stir your imagination. God wants to stir your mind. God wants to stir your heart that you can be the uncommon missionary. You can be the uncommon church planner. You can be the uncommon. Listen, you say, well, everybody else is changing this and changing that. Listen, the Bible tells the only needs to be changed is our heart. You've got to get a change of heart that you realize you're nothing without Jesus Christ. You've got to have a change of heart to decide today that there's only the uncommon, the few that decide to pay the price they're going to be filled with the Spirit. And walk in His Word and praying, and ask God to use you. Listen, these men, these men were elite. Thank God for those who make the sacrifice. They pay the price to stay by the stuff. Thank God for the faculty who've been here for many years. Thank God for Pastor Chapel. His roots get deeper and deeper and deeper in this work. Thank God for the members of Lancaster Baptist Church. They're the unsung heroes of this ministry who have given and given and given and prayed and prayed and prayed. They've loved their pastor through thick and thin. They've had, they've endured the trials and all of it, but they stayed by their stuff. They decided, you know, we're in it for the long run. We're in it because we want to see God do something. Listen, study the members of this church. Study the executive leadership of this, of this college. Study the administration. Study the teachers and realize if you're going to be a part of a church and you're going to build a church, you've got to be someone who's going to pay the price, make the sacrifice, and get the job done for Jesus Christ. Amen. Number two, notice they were experts. They were left-handed. Others thought they were weak. But the Bible says they could sling a stone at hairbreadth and not miss. Write this down. Expertise can only come about with much practice. A noted violinist, a famous violinist, was asked one day, what's the secret to your success? He replied, planned neglect. They said, what do you mean by that? I plan to neglect everything in my life until I've spent eight hours a day uninterrupted practicing on my violin. Expertise can only come when you practice and practice and practice. Outside of Spain, there's a, a series of little islands called the uh, the Balearic Isles. I read that almost contemporaneous with the time of the men of Benjamin, where the men of, Baler of the Balearic Isles, who were just as skillful as the, these Benjamites in the hurling of stones, they say that they trained their children, both boys and girls, how to sling the stone from the moment they could learn how to walk. And as they became, went from toddlers to about five, six, seven years of age, they placed their breakfast way up on the top of trees. And they said, if you want your breakfast, here's your sling, here's your stones, you got to knock your breakfast down. They became so good at that, historically we read that they prevented the Carthaginian fleet from coming to anchor because there was a shower of stones 
that were curled from the shoreline that kept those ships from coming. Practice made them so expert that the, sl the stones they slung, the Bible, the, the, this history says, they came with as much force as those hurled by a catapult. Imagine that. They were so good. They were so proficient in what they did. They made it happen there. Uh, many hours of practice made them target masters, uh, men who hit their mark. Uh, you know, we understand something. You know, we think about sin, and the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know the word for sin, hamartia, uh, means we've missed a mark. We understand that, okay? We understand that. But the context here is not about sin. The context here is about service and sacrifice. The context here is someone going to be on the front line and they're going to be hurling stones and they've got to realize when they're hurling the stones, they've got to hit their mark. They've got to realize that they need to knock down some of those people that are advancing, the enemy that are against them. They've got to hurl their stones and not miss the mark there. Now, we need Christians. We need Christians who strive to be target masters, just like these men of Gibeah, just like these men of Benjamin, men who don't miss their mark. I'm saying today, men and women who don't miss church services, men and women that don't miss their homework, men and women who don't miss their deadlines, men and women that keep their word, men and women that don't miss their Bible reading and their Bible study, men and women that don't miss it at praying, men and women who don't miss at having a contrite spirit and confessing their sin, men and women who are men of honesty and integrity, men and women who don't miss at these things. Men and women who don't miss it bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Men and women who don't miss it winning souls and being consistent. Men and women that are going to decide we're going to be proficient between now and Easter. We're going to hit our mark and we're going to help our church and help our college attain our best attended day ever in the history of Lancaster Baptist Church for Easter Sunday. The best attended day. The best salvation day. Why are we doing that? Is it for the praise of men? No. It's for the glory of God. This college needs students that are going to graduate from the college who don't miss their mark. You're in a few, few short weeks, some of you seniors are going to be walking down this aisle. You're going to receive your diploma. You're going to throw your tassel on the other side. There's going to be great euphoria inside this auditorium, great excitement. Uh, there'll be congratulations, a lot of picture taking. There'll be balloons given, and uh, some of you will have job offers, and you'll go on in your thing. But I want to caution you, don't just take a job for the sake of the job. Take your job and hit your mark. You be the best Christian school teacher there can be. You be the best grade school teacher you can be. You be the best Sunday school teacher you can be. You be the best sewer you can be. I told, I told the, the staff meeting yesterday, when I became, or before I became pastor, when our church first started, we mobilized our so many ministries from day one. I still remember the very first so many meeting we had was in downtown Oakland. <laughs> probably, what you look back, it probably wasn't the brightest decision we made. But we went to did did downtown Oakland at 7 o'clock in the evening. And we had, a, we had about 16 people that met there. We went out, took our names, went out knocking doors. We still remember, I still talk with some of our so many that are still in the church right now. We still remember those days we knocked on some doors in parts of East Oakland and we hear gunshots just a few blocks away. Or we heard somebody crying or just, you know, a car being stolen, things like that. But we kept on knocking doors and that. that. But remember this. I remember for one entire year knocking on doors. I remember knocking on doors to witnessing to people and uh, to, to my embarrassment, to be honest with you, but I'm glad, glad for it. I remember going an entire year of witnessing and witnessing and witnessing and witnessing. I didn't lead one person to Jesus Christ. I'm going to say something right now that we don't speak about a lot. You hear about the reports of a Dr. Rasmussen, Brother Jerry Furso and others, Pastor Chapel, consistently win souls to Christ. There's a sense of inferiority. 
of smallness, of insignificance. We don't talk about it, but in our heart of hearts, that's how we feel. And with inferiority and insignificance of smallness, you know what happens? We get discouraged. And with that discouragement, we just decide, well, you know, maybe he has to gift for that. Or we'll say, well, maybe God just chooses to bless them. And so instead of practicing and practicing and practicing, we could be experts at it, we just decide that's somebody else's expertise. Now, I want to encourage you about this. Listen, so winning and discipleship are the nuts and bolts of ministry. You've got to work at it. You've got to practice at it. You've got to work at it. You, you come around me, you come to my church. Listen, I'm wired when it comes to soul winning. I mean, I worked at it, I worked at it, I worked at it, and I worked at it, and I prayed. I came to sessions. I went to every soul winning session that was taught at Spiritual Leadership Conference. I read every book I could get my hands on. I studied great soul winners of the past. I read all that. But I realized that one, at a certain point in time, I had to lay the issue out on the floor with God himself, just like Hezekiah did when he had that problem with the Assyrian army. I laid it on the floor. I spent time in prayer before God. I said, God, I know what your word says. John 15, 16 says, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And I thought about that. I said, Lord, I want fruit that remains. I want to please you. I want to honor you. I want to, I want to work that you can multiply. Listen, I'm going to tell you today, I could take you, I could take you for the next three hours of story after story after story after story after story after story over the last 18 months of people have been led to Christ and are in the church. And I'm saying it didn't happen because I became, I, uh, because I have a special gift or I can speak or anything. It came because you've got to work at it and you've got to pray at it. And I want to encourage you today, don't, don't just do so many because you've got to do your numbers. Do so many because you want to be an expert at it. Amen. Do it because you're going to be an expert at it. Hey, you're going to go to a city somewhere and start a church? Go there and determine you're going to knock on every door, not for the sake of knocking on the door. You're going on the knock on those doors because your goal is to win people to Jesus Christ. Amen. You ladies, win some ladies to Christ and win some girls to Christ. Hey, listen, we're in a mixed up, confused, upside down world right now. And in the United States of America alone, it's, we have an upside down community. We have upside down thinking our people. They need people like you. They need people like me to knock on the doors, to get their, their thinking corrected. They need to get corrected about that, you know, about a lot of things morally that they're not right about. We've got we've to turn aside this woke agenda world we live in and help people to realize the gospel of Jesus Christ is the truth and the gospel of Jesus Jesus Christ saves. Amen. They were experts. They practice what they do. Do you think the choir that sings on Sunday morning, do you think they just do that because they, they're, they're talented? No, they practice. Do you think that special number we heard just before I came up this morning, do you think that happened just because she's talented? I think talent has a lot to do with it, but I think a lot more has to do with the practice. You gotta practice what you do. You're not gonna be an expert unless you practice and practice and practice. Listen, these men, they practice when nobody's watching. And I wanna guarantee you this as they practice, they had a lot more misses in the beginning than they had hits. You're gonna miss a lot in the beginning. You're going to get frustrated in the beginning. You're going to lose a lot of stones in the beginning. You're going to, you're going to have a sore arm in the beginning. You're going, to, you're going to be corrected a lot by the experts, and they're going to tell you what you're doing wrong, and you're going to feel like, man, they're just talking down on me. Listen, you may feel like they're talking down. They just want you to be good at what you do. Amen? Let me encourage you this morning. One other thing about that. Don't miss it being Holy. Don't miss being a good spouse. Don't miss being a good church member. They were experts. Notice number three, they could execute. It says they could sling stones at a hairbreadth. 
and not miss. You know, one of the secrets about left-handed slingshot shooters, watch this, look up here. One of the secrets about them, why they were so proficient. And by the way, if you read later on, uh, there is a, the, the men of Israel, the other 11 tribes, suffered devastating losses the first two days. The first day, I think, was something to the tune of 24,000 men. The next day, 18,000. You can read it there. I, I don't remember. I'm not going to look at it right now because of time. I would guarantee you the majority of those people, those men that went down, were probably slain. They were hit by the slingshot shooters that were left-handed. Watch this. Most men that went to war were right-handed. That was their strong side, right? Somebody help with that, right? That was their, they were strong side, okay? So these left-handed slingshot shooters, this is my left hand, they, would, they, would, they, would, they, they took aim. You know where they're aiming? They're aiming at the right side. They hit that right side, and they would disable the right side. Guess what? A right-handed person can't use his right side. He can't do anything. He can't use his spear. He can't use his sword. He can't use his sling. I mean, they aimed at the, they aimed at the strong point. They didn't expect it to go that way, but the, the right-handed people didn't expect a stone to hit them there. Hey, they say, that, they say that these slingshot shooters, they were so good. They said a one-pound stone uh, at, could, could be cast at a minimum velocity of 90 to 100 miles per hour. I mean, that's, that's the speed of a good fastball pitcher. I mean, think about that. 90 to 100 miles an hour. They say that some of the, the record historically says that some of the slingshot shooters, some of them could sling a stone that could travel as far as 600 feet or 200 yards. Figure that one out. That's two football fields. All right? And, you know, you think about velocity and speed and all that. If, if they could sling, if someone could sling a stone with their left hand that could go as far as, beyond 100 yards, let's say as far as 200 yards, it's going faster than 100 miles per hour. It really is. And it says here they could sling a stone at a hairbreadth and not miss. Now, when we say to execute something, we mean basically this, they get things done. Pastor Chapel, you'll hear him say this all the time. Managers do things right. Leaders do the right things. You've got to get things done. Get your homework done on time. Be ready for your finals. Get your project done in advance. Start your Sunday school lesson in advance, don't wait till Saturday night. You're given a project, determine all the steps of that project, make a per chart, determine what, what's all the steps on it, look at what the deadline is, set a deadline earlier than that, have predetermined checkpoints, get it done. Get your work done. Build a church, get it done. Go to the mission field, get it done. Learn a language. Don't just learn the language for the sake of just being conversational. Learn the language to be proficient. Get it done. Be the best you can be. Execute. Get it done. Listen, they could sling those stones at a hairbreadth and not miss. They could take down a large number of the enemy at a distance. They even said that, that they, they could sling stones, and those stones would be going at such a fierce velocity. It could damage armor. It could pierce. It could pierce. Uh, it, could pier it could go through buildings. I mean, listen, one of the most famous slingshot shooters in all the Bible, Bible was a man by the name of David. Oh, we, we take that story there in 1 Samuel 17, and, uh, you know, we, we, we say, well, look what happened. I'm going to promise you, I, we, we know that God directed that stone, but I want to tell you, God prepared David many hours before that in becoming proficient with the slinging stone before he went to that battlefield. He knew exactly where to, he looked for that one vulnerable area. He looked for that one weak spot, which was right here at the forehead of Goliath, and he hit it the first time. He's the, he was the greatest slingshot shooter to read about in the Bible. But I want to tell you what today, you can be the greatest slingshot shooter for Jesus Christ. You can hit your mark too. You need to execute. You need to get it done. Listen, let me give you a few things about that. Do you know nothing gets done when there's procrastination? 
Nothing gets done when there's excuses. Hey, nothing gets done when you don't obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Nothing gets done when you don't pray about it. Nothing gets done when you don't get counsel. Nothing doesn't get done if you just wait to another day. You wait for more convenient season. Uh, season. Nothing gets done when the buck is passed and the attitude is that someone else do it. Hey, nothing gets done if as a young person I say, well, let the older members do it. And nothing gets done if the older members say, let the Bible college students get it done. And nothing gets done if you don't volunteer. I mean, somebody's got to get the job done. We need people who can decide Christians who will be dead on target like these men. Christians who will keep their word. Christians who will keep their promises. Christians who will go forward. Christians who will volunteer. Christians who set high goals to accomplishment. I'm just saying today, execution means we've got to get things done. Target masters hit their mark each and every time. Will you hit your mark? Will you hit your mark? Will you make your mark on your generation? Will you make your mark in a city that doesn't have an independent Baptist church? Will you make your mark on the foreign field? Will you make your mark in prayer? Will you make your mark in so many? Will you make your mark wherever God places? Will you make your mark in the classroom as a teacher trying to get the hearts of young people so that they, maybe they can be called to be missionaries and preachers and teachers for Jesus Christ? One last thing, we're done. These men were examples. <clears throat> That's why it was here. They could sling their stone at a hairbreadth, not, not miss. You know what's that telling you and me? If they could do it, you can do it. If I can do it, they can do it. Oh, it's going to be a lot of hard work. It's going to be a lot of practice. There's going to be a lot of missed stones. But the day will come. You start hitting your target. And you keep hitting your target. And you'll sling your stone at hair breath and not miss. They're an example to us of working hard. They're helping their country win. They're examples of true success. They're examples of not being easily offended. Because, by the way, they were left-handed. And I'm sure they were scorned. And I'm sure they were ridiculed. And I'm sure that people looked down on them and said, that, well, you're never going to make it. And maybe you're somebody like that. You're thinking, you know what? I, I'm not talented like somebody else. Or you're just like these kind of left-handed people in the Bible times who people look down upon. Listen, they may look down on you, but God looks at you and says there's great potential. Amen? They're examples of being so good at what they did, they were in constant demand. The example of men who could come to David and dedicate their service to help him advance his kingdom. They became examples because of their hard work, their diligence, their precision, and be able to sling a stone at hairbreadth so they could not miss. They earned the respect of the entire nation. Will you be a Bible college student, a Christian who will hit your mark? Be a target master for Jesus Christ. Just don't be status quo. Hit the mark. Get it done. Be an example. Execute. Be an expert. You fill in the blanks at prayer, at Bible study, at soul winning, at planning a church, going to the mission field, serving as a Sunday school teacher, serving the classroom, whatever it may be. Let's rise up. Let's hit the mark.